Let us turn now to the chapter we read, John chapter 37, chapter 7, verse 37. John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. <coughs> the feast that is here referred to in that the chapter gives an account of really was the feast of the the feast of tabernacles, the last of the <coughs> The last, uh, festival, last of the festivals in the Jewish religious calendar. It lasted for eight days, and as with all the other feasts, by the time Jesus was on earth, the rabbis had added many things to the ceremony which uh, was associated with the feast. One of the things was on the, that on the last day, the eighth day, the uh, priest took a vessel of water from probably from the pool of Salome and uh, mixed that vessel with wine and poured out the mixture as an admission on the altar and that uh, being the climax to the whole week that act was accompanied with a lot of singing musical accompaniment and uh, with great rejoicing. Indeed, it was said of that particular occasion that he who has never witnessed the rejoicing at the pouring out of water does not know what rejoicing means. On that day, when the noise had died down, Jesus stood up and in the midst of that great company presented to himself to them as the saviour of mankind under the emblem of a copious and ever full and ever flowing fountain open to all. He unfolded to them as he does to us in these words the nature of true blessedness or true happiness by stating that that blessedness, that happiness is found supremely in himself. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And in these words he explains to us the means by which that happiness may be secured. It is obtained by coming unto him and by receiving from him. And he invites all in that way to come that they may obtain that blessing, that true source of happiness and he assures all who come that by coming they, um, they will have in them a supply from himself that will meet their needs 
throughout the ages of time and eternity. Because he says that whosoever believeth on me, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And by that he means that the person who comes to him in faith will be given a supply of grace or a supply of the Holy Spirit that will meet his every need. And perhaps there is a sense also that the words may convey to us of Shasidia a minute that not only does the person have adequate supply from himself, but that that person who comes to him can himself become in the hand of the Spirit a source of blessing, or a means rather of blessing to other people. Let us look then briefly tonight at the invited here, here described as any man first. The invitation is addressed to them, let him come unto me and drink. And the blessing that is offered to them, that is extended to them, he that believeth, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, this is the fourth in the series of the great invitations in the Bible that together we are trying to have a look at on Sabbath evenings. We looked at two in Isaiah and the last week at the great in Matthew chapter 11 and now this one in John chapter 7. Now, there may be a bit of overlap in all these things and a bit of repetition, but uh, the, uh, I think that we can all uh, bear that really because it's amazing that the, to say that to think that the vast majority of people, for example, in a communication such as this week after week are unconverted and remain in an unconverted state and consequently carry away with them a little of what is said really. The majority of people don't have their ears open to the gospel and uh, you can sit in a church as you have many of you sat in a church for years and years and years and you can hear the same themes and the same things and perhaps even complain that you are hearing the same things and yet not carry away with you anything of what you have heard. So I think that a little bit your ears and mine can bear a little bit of repetition when it comes say, to looking at those who are here invited by Christ to come. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. If any man thirsts. Now we looked at the meaning of this word connected with the great invitation in Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Now, it's important to recognize, I think, at the outset, that this word thirst refers, as someone has put it, to a condition of want. It refers to the state of the spiritual condition in which people are by nature. It means, in effect, that there are people, and as I said, the majority of people, as far as one can judge, who are in a condition of want, in a state of need. They want or they need something that they don't have. Now, very often, the way the Bible puts this is by making this distinction in between the mankind as those on the one hand who have grace, and those, on the other hand, who are graceless. In other words, there are people who are in a graceless state. They want grace, they need grace. They're in a state of want. 
and what they do need is this word grace. Now, this can be variously again, variously defined. You can speak of it as the blessing of God, the favor of God, the love of God indwelling your heart, the power of God taking possession of your soul. Well then, as I said, there are many people who require that, who need that, who don't possess that blessing. They need it. You remember that Jesus, for example, said to the lady to the woman of Samaria, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I give him shall never thirst. Now, of course, we know for well. Every Christian at night knows that if you receive Christ, if you receive grace, if you receive the blessing of God, the favor of God, the love of God, and the power of God in your heart, every Christian knows it is the nature of the blessing that they have that they, they know that they need more of what they have. They need more of what they got. There may be someone here tonight, for example, I don't know who, let's say, take an argument, put it this. Since there was someone here tonight who's been a Christian for 40 years. No doubt there are, there are people here who have been Christians for much longer than that, 50 years. Well, they would be the very first to tell you that they need the blessing of God tonight more than they ever needed it in their lives. True. Christ has been communicated to them. Two, they know what grace is. Of course, they have the power of God and the love of God indwelling in their hearts. They can go back to times in their lives when they were so aware of that, perhaps more aware of it than they are tonight. But the point is this, they want more of what God has given them. So whatever Jesus meant when he said to the woman of Samaria, he didn't mean that if she would take his blessing, that she would never thirst again for that blessing. It is the very nature of God's blessing to make you thirst for more of it. I thirst for God, said the psalmist. He already had God, but he wanted more of God. I thirst for God. My flesh is beside here tonight, longs in a dry, parched land where no waters be. I want, he says, to know the power and to see the beauty of God. He knew that and he had seen it before, but he wanted more of it. So you see, when Jesus at that moment of Samaria, he didn't mean that she wouldn't thirst again for what he was going to give her. She would. What then did he mean? Well, there's something else that he didn't mean. He didn't mean that she would never again think of going back, for example, uh, to the uh, circumstances and to the situations from which she was going to be delivered by his grace. Now, of course, there are things that uh, and situations, practices, pursuits that no convert, convert would go back to. There are things, I've no doubt that the Christian here tonight will say this, that there were sins and perhaps outward sins in his or her life from which God did, delivered them. doesn't bother them one bit and never has bothered them from the time that they were delivered by the power of his grace. But that doesn't apply to everything that was in life. And therefore there are some Christians who are troubled because from time to time they might find themselves with their mind perhaps even active in the things, the very things from which God by his grace delivered them. Perhaps you know what it is to the painful experience of being confronted with us, perhaps even when you're worshipping God privately or publicly and you find that your mind is taken up with things that have nothing to do with the worship of God and it bothers you. And you know that your mind shouldn't go in that direction. So the Lord, knowing what human nature was, knowing what that woman's mind was, he didn't mean when he said, 
if you take what I give you, you will never thirst. He didn't mean that shed mind would never go back to the things on which you were delivered. What then did he mean? Well, he meant this. That if she would take the water that he was offering her, the water of life himself, that she would be delivered from a graceless state. She would be delivered from a sinful existence in which nothing else mattered but the service of sin. She would be delivered by his power from a graceless state and transferred by his power into a state of grace in which she would thirst for more of himself and in which no doubt she would be annoying from time to time because she would find her mind slipping back into uh, going back to uh, thinking about all things though not in the service of these things and here Jesus says the same thing if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink and this is why the majority of people here tonight and in the world are embraced by this invitation because most people are in a state of want most people are graceless and godless and Christless. Most people are destitute of the blessing and the favor and the love and the power of God in their life. And you may be here tonight, like I know you are. There are many of you here tonight like that. You don't have God. You don't have Christ. You don't have grace. You don't know the love of God operating in your heart, in your life. You don't know the power of God delivering you from sin and so on. That's you. And therefore, you are embraced by this invitation. If any man thirst or any woman, anybody who is in that condition, let him come unto me. Now, of course, in that condition, there are many people who feel their need. Well, you say, I know that I'm not a Christian. I know that I don't have God. I know I'm Christless. I know that the power of God has never yet taken hold of my life. I know that. Well, my friend, I wonder if you really do. I wonder if you realize what you're saying. Do you know what you're saying? What you're saying is that you don't have God, but you know that you need God. You know it. Well, there are times when one will challenge that conclusion that you come to. But at the moment, Let's leave it like that. Let's assume just that you do know that you need God. The next question is this. If you say that you need God, are you prepared to make the next step and say that you want God? Well, I know that there are some people at night who do want God. There are some people who are seeking the Lord. Praise be to his name for that that they've been brought face to face with their need. They know what they need. They know they don't have this, and they're looking for him. They're searching for God, searching for a meaning to life, searching for satisfaction, for happiness, for contentment, searching for this elusive thing that they call a fulfillment. They're looking for it. They know who has it to give it to them because they know that though they themselves are unhappy and unblessed, there are some who are happy. God himself is blessed forever. He is happy, if you want to use the word, blessed forever in himself. The angels are blessed in the service and in the presence of God. Those who are tonight in heaven are blessed because blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. 
There are some people in the world tonight who serve Christ, for whom Christ said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And there's you. You're out with this circle, but you want to get in. You're looking, you're searching, you're longing. Father, and perhaps you're afraid to let anyone know that. Perhaps you haven't given expression to that yet outwardly. In the way which is as a, in the way in, in the way in which others have, but you know that you must. In other words, you're looking for him, and you know who you're looking for, and in a sense, you know where to find him. He's present in the means of grace. That's why you're reading the Bible. You're looking for the Lord. That's why you're praying. Perhaps when no one sees that you're praying, what are you praying for? You're looking for him, and you're saying with another of old, "All that I knew, where I might find him." That's why you come to church. Perhaps you look forward to the services. The word of God is speaking to your heart. You know the Lord is present where his people are. You know that others have been blessed in the means of grace under the gospel. You're coming here looking for God. That's a good way to come to the means of grace. You're praying desperately he may speak to your heart. And that you may leave this place with the assurance that the Lord is you. You know what you're looking for? You know what to look for it? Because you know that others have found it there and you accept the testimony of the truth. But there are others, may I say, who know that they need something they don't have. But they don't know what that is. They don't know what that is. I suggest to you that it is God that you need. You may, be, you may concede well with a shrug of the shoulders, you may be right. It may be, I tell you, my friend, it is. But at least we're agreed on one thing that you need something that you don't have. But the unfortunate thing with a lot of people is this, that knowing that they need something that will give them fulfillment, they off they go and they look for the wrong thing. They look for the wrong thing. And the state of want or destitution expresses itself in this life of meaningless pursuit after this elusive fulfillment and happiness and blessedness. And it's always eluding. And they go along various channels looking for it. I don't need to mention these things in your hearing tonight. You know them only too well for yourself because some of you are on that road. You're looking for satisfaction in things that will never give you fulfillment. In a life of sin. In a life of shady and immoral practices. In a life of meaningless squandering of all that God has given you. Your time your affections, your money, your energies. You associate with friends and while you're there with them for a few minutes, perhaps for a few hours on a Friday night, a Saturday night, perhaps even a Sunday afternoon, everything is wonderful and then the glass falls off. There's nothing at the end of the day. And here you are tonight, further away than ever you were, from this something that you're looking for, you don't know what it is. I tell you that what you need is Christ. You're not looking for him, but this is who you need. This is who you need. And he himself knew that. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now then, <clears throat> you know that there were many people in the world tonight, in the world before tonight, who felt this sense of need. Who felt the craving of an, of an awakened conscience, who were looking for something 
Let me tell you, for example, that Augustine, the great Augustine, was looking for satisfaction. He looked for it amongst heretics. And of course he found no satisfaction there. Luther, Martin Luther, groped in the dark for meaning to life, meaning to his own existence. He wondered how he could be right with God and just before God, and he sought desperately for it in vain for many a time in a monastery. Bunyan, as it has been put, agonized amidst doubts and conflicts in his own cottage at Elstow, but he couldn't find it as he groped amongst these doubts and conflicts of mind. He had to go out with these to Christ, George Whitefield, as someone put it, groaned under self-imposed austerities, looking for something. I wonder how unhappy your life is tonight. I can't but think about you here tonight. Perhaps full of bravado during the day, or perhaps even while people are with you at night, you go home and you go to your bed and you can't sleep. You're wondering about your soul, you wonder about the state of mind, you toss and you turn, you grope and you search and you look at it from this angle and the next angle, and you've been doing it for a long time, my friend. And here you are in this church night, you're still thirsting, still dissatisfied, still looking, still searching. You haven't yet got the answer. And I tell you that the Bible comes here tonight with an answer direct to your heart. If any man thirst, let him say, Jesus, come unto me and drink. And this is the invitation that he extends to you. This is the solution that he gives to your problem. Come unto me and drink. And immediately I want to say this to you. He doesn't say to you, start reading your Bible. He doesn't say to you, start praying. He doesn't say, start coming to church. He doesn't say, start going around with Christian company. That's not the answer to the problem. It may be the means, but it's not the end. It's not the end. The end for you, the goal for you and for me is Christ Jesus. By all means, make use of these means, but remember they are means to an end. A man or a woman, a boy or a girl doesn't become a Christian because they open the Bible. They don't become Christian because they start going to church. Going to a prayer meeting doesn't make you a Christian of you. Going around in good company won't make a Christian of you. The only thing that's going to change your life is the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. And uh, he's the only one who's going to meet your needs. He's the only one who can forgive your sin. The only one who can give peace to your troubled mind. The only one who can cleanse away the pollution and the stain of a sinful life. The only one who can give joy to your heart, lasting joy and lasting meaning to your heart. Therefore he says, let him come unto me and drink. Me. And in all the emphasis, and I find I don't find this too hard to say. I hope that it doesn't hurt anybody. I only say it so that it will do you good. God knows that. 
concentrated all this emphasis upon an interest in religious things. See, my friend, that your interest goes beyond things and lays hold of the Lord himself. Come unto me, he says, and drink. Because I challenge you to go through the whole Bible and you won't find in there the evidence in the life of a single Christian who was satisfied with anything less than the Lord Jesus. And this has been the testimony of the church through the ages. In the Old Testament, the church's great hope was the Lord. And this was the church's testimony and confession in Old Testament times. The Lord is our God. It was the testimony of the Christian church in the New Testament. This Lord was hers. And you make sure that you discover this person for yourself as well. Yes, you. Don't be afraid of using terms as a personal saviour. Why not? What was ever more personal than the testimony of the Old Testament church? My beloved is mine. And I am his. Ever heard anything more personal than Paul's confession? The Lord Jesus said who died who loved me and who gave himself for me. Jesus says, if any man thirsted him, come unto me. Now coming to Jesus we saw in previous weeks is just the movement of the soul to him. The going out of the soul. I've got to use words like that. The going out of the soul to the Lord Jesus. And here he says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. We come to him to receive from him. To receive what he offers to us, what he extends to us. Just as you were taking a cup of water offered to you, you take it. If you're going to make use of it, you drink it. You take, you come to him that you may receive him. It implies this, that you believe all that is said about the Lord. That uh, you will come to receive him exactly as he is presented to you. Well then, it's important that you and I notice this. Let him come unto me and drink. You see, there's no point to say, oh, well, yes, I know that uh, this, uh, that kind of thing commends itself to me. Uh, I wouldn't mind coming. Jesus doesn't speak about people who don't mind coming. Jesus speaks about people who actually come. You may say to me tonight, well, I intend coming. Make no mistake about that. I wouldn't be fool enough to give my life to the service of sin and the devil and to leave this world like that. I intend coming to Christ. Well, my friend, he's not talking about intentions. He's speaking about the reality. You come to him to receive. You know what has been said? That the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Of thousands of people it can be said that they mean to come and they intend to come but these same people die in sin. Faith then is the going out of myself to Christ for salvation. It's the committing of myself to him. It's the receiving of him. 
इससे हमें इस मूवमेंट ऑफ द माइंड एंड द वर्ल्ड एंड द थॉट्स टू क्राइस्ट देन रिसीविंग और थिंकिंग आदर इज द रिसीविंग ऑफ दैट क्राइस्ट टू इज ऑफर टू मी द क्राइस्ट ऑफ द बाइबल I receive him as the one who can relieve my spiritual needs and my spiritual doubts. I receive him as the one who delivers me from a state of gracelessness. I receive him as the one who is going to give me the enjoyment, the blessing, the fulfilment. That even as the one who delivers me from a state of gracelessness, I receive him as the one who is going to give me the enjoyment. The blessing of fulfilment that I need, I receive him as the one who is, who is going to bring me into the presence of God and in whom I have acceptance before God. I receive him as the one who satisfies my mind and my soul, all my needs. And I receive him as the one and the only one who can do all that for me. You see, as I said in salvation, we are taken out of a state of want and destitution into a place of justification, acceptance, into a state of peace, into a state of grace. We are taken out of a state of misery into a state of blessing. And breaking of Christ is the result, therefore, of coming to the Lord Jesus. Christ. May I say this? Here is the answer to the problems posed by Pentecostalism and by the teaching that is often known as the teaching of Victoria's living. The letting go, let God kind of thinking. Here is the answer to the problems of all these teachings. He said, "Well, that's not mistaken. That's a beauty. Same problems." It has been said that the theology of Pentecostalism. It's really the theology of more. The theology of more. I think it is. I think that's a right summing up of it. You see, people come along and they suggest to you, "Oh, well, yes, I know that you may be a Christian, but you need more in your Christian life than what you have." After all, it's pretty humdrum being a Christian. It's kind of set up, isn't it? In a kind of a reformed Presbyterian free church of Peter to Scotland set up, pretty. But you don't have any stuff, isn't it? What you need is something. You need some goal in your life. You need to get something in that isn't there. I wonder what it is. Because I don't know anything apart from the Lord Jesus Christ presented to me to give me fulfilment in my life as a Christian, as I find my way through the Bible. Is there anything more than who dare suggest that there be something more than? He ultimate himself, the Lord. If you want more in your life, my friend, He is the one who's going to give it to you. And you'll never find more than is in Him. You will tell me that you know of something that is more than Christ, more than Christ. And this is the only way in which you and I are going to live lives which are victorious over sin. Remember what Paul said. I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me. You can't deal with your sin, the problems that you have in life. How can you cope with them? Never, never. But you can cope with them in Him and through Him and with Him. If any man thirsts, therefore, let him come unto me and 
break. I suggest to you in all honesty, in all fairness tonight, that this is what every one of us needs. No matter who we are or what we are, no matter what position we hold in life or in the church, no matter how young or how old you are, how inexperienced or inexperienced, how much you know or you don't know, you desperately need a mind tonight is Christ. And if any man thirst, let him come unto me, he says, and drink. And now thirdly and finally, what blessing is this man going to have in his life? He that believeth on me, says as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, but this speaking of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now you know, of course, that our Lord was fond of using figurative language to convey particular meaning of teaching to the hearts of his hearers. You know, our Lord was a marvelous teacher. He was the best teacher who ever lived. And whether you're here tonight in the teaching profession, or like myself in the ministry, or whatever you are, or teaching and teach, for example, from time to time and teaching children that, always make the Lord your pattern, your model. You discover this. He was he came down to the level of his people. He explained things marvelously to his people, to the people. And he was unafraid of using illustrations so that he could convey this meaning to them. Now look at, look, at, look at this illustration. First of all, he's speaking figuratively. When he says, this person says who comes to me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now then, this isn't to convey at all, this isn't meant to convey to you something that is, uh, you know, to look at this as it were, literally. When you, well, for example, use the word belly here, what is speaking of this? Exactly what we're speaking about this morning. What Paul speaks of in Ephesians as the inner man, the spirit of man, the man himself, what a man is himself. You know, what you are, the way that people know you, the way that they speak of you and think of you, that's it, the person I know, the person I see, and it is what the kind of person you are inside you. This is what the Lord says, you see, this man who comes to me, something's going to happen to this man. I'm going to give something to this man so that what he is inwardly will manifest itself. Now then, in him, in himself, in his inner man, in the faculties of his soul, his mind, his thoughts, conscience, his will, his affections, his emotions. You see, I'll give some to the man who comes to me. I'll give him something that's going to influence, affect, and profoundly affect all that he is in himself, inside. What is he going to give him? When he says, out of his belly, shall flow rivers of living water. People may have scratched their heads and said, no, I wonder what he means. But you see, we don't need to scratch our heads because the man who wrote this gospel, John, explains what Jesus means to us. What he meant is, it was this, that the person who was going to come to him and to believe in him, to receive him, he was going to receive from him the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Of course, he adds a wee bit here in parenthesis. 
Now he says, of course, the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, let's not get enmeshed in any profound difficulties whatsoever in connection with this. Let's just take it exactly as it says it. The Holy Spirit wasn't given because Jesus wasn't glorified. Now, with that Bible in your hands, and especially with Luke chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 28, Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, we don't need to be in any doubt as to what this means. What it means is this. At the day of Pentecost, ten days after the ascension, the Holy Spirit came. Now, one of the, I think that one of the best definitions I've ever come across any of the meaning of that word, of the meaning of that verb, the Holy Spirit came. One of the best definitions I've ever come across of it was this, that it was a coming in state. In other words, the Holy Spirit came visibly on the day of Pentecost. The disciples, you know, you know the story. They were assembled in the room and they were praying. All of a sudden, the Spirit came visibly. He came. And he came as a result of Jesus going up to heaven. He was glorified. And he told them, you wait, he says, in Jerusalem till I send the Spirit. And the Spirit came. And the Spirit came with all his efficacious and blessings, with all his uh, saving benefits, with all the, 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 the accompaniments of his coming. He came with blessing. He came with power. He came with life. He came with the favor of God. He came communicating the presence of God. And now he says, if any man comes to me, I will give him something that will be in him. A well of living water springing up. Springing up. Uh, out of the Spanish and flow rivers of living what? And what he's saying is this, that anyone who comes to him will receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit taking up his abode in the heart of an individual will come with the life and the blessing and the favor and the power and the presence of God. And he will be in him, as the Bible goes on to say, a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. It is the Holy Spirit with his life and his power in dwelling the believer. And this is something else he says. As the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now you go home. After service now you take out your Bible. If you have a marginal Bible very well, if you have a concordance, all the better. You start something through the Bible and find out what scripture is Jesus here quoting. As the Scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Where does the Bible say that? Well, there is no text, I might as well tell you this, there is no text as such that says this. But the whole thrust of the Scripture is this, that this is the way, this is part of the blessing where with God blesses his people, that he gives them the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is present with them witnessing for example to their hearts, to their spirits that they are the children of God. There's one of the blessings of the Holy Spirit as the spirit of assurance 
witnessing with you, Spirit, confirming to you the testimony that you burn yourself and that you exercise hope toward yourself. He confirms in your mind and in your spirit and your soul that God is with you. What lesson must you have tonight? Look at you tonight, maybe trembling, wondering, am I or am I not a Christian? Wondering, I, I, I'm looking for God. I'm not sure that I have the Lord or not. Perhaps you felt great yesterday. Maybe you don't feel so well tonight, spiritually. Look at the assurance. Look at the wonderful, the wonderful health that this would be. You come. And if you come, he will give you the Spirit. And the Spirit will assure your heart that you have come. And you need that often, I can tell you. You need that assurance along life's way that you have come to the Lord. And the spirit, like a well of water springing up, suggesting the copious and the abundant supply that the Lord gives to energize your heart, to strengthen your mind and your will. This is one of the blessings that comes through, that, that, you, that, 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 that you will receive through coming to the Lord. <coughs> time has gone, I just want to mention this before I close that uh, there is here also a suggestion that the person who receives the Holy Spirit has in him not just that which is going to renew his own mind and will not just that which is going to supply his own needs, and not just that which is going to assure him of a sonship in the presence of God, but that that person has in him the Holy Spirit which can use him as an instrument or a means of good to others. Now there are some people who make this interpretation of these words, and I don't know that they are all that far off the mark in making that application of the truth. You know that there are many people who are a means of blessing to others in life. The apostles were like that, for example. There are people who have been means of blessings to others in their death. The martyrs were like that. And we know for a fact that there are people who, have, who are no longer with us, who even after their death have been a means of blessing to people there are many who though dead yet they speak you know that there was a woman converted once through the means of the ministry of George Whitefield and this is what she said about her conversion it was not she said any sermon that he ever said to me it was the beautiful consistency and kindness of his daily life in the home where he was staying when I was a little girl. And I said then, and this is what she said, I said then to myself, if I will ever have any religion, Mr. Whitefield's God will be my God. And there was a man in whose life the Spirit of God was working, springing up, as rivers of living water confirming not just to himself the fact that he was a child of God 
but confirming to our little girl that he was exactly that that the Spirit was confirming to himself. And may I say this to you tonight, that if you come to Christ, and if I come to Christ, because as I said earlier, this is the blessing that we all need. This is the activity of mind and heart that we all have to be engaged in, my friend. Let me say this to you as a Christian tonight, if you have come to Christ, see that you come again. Because you'll never have enough of them. And you'll never come too often to them. And what I say to you, I say to myself. And therefore, to the unconverted here, to the converted, there is even now common faith to Jesus Christ. And if you and I come tonight, we will receive fresh supplies of the Spirit. And if you and I come, our lives will be a source of blessing to others. Don't ever be afraid to come. Don't be ashamed. But be encouraged and be thrilled at the prospect that you may be in the hand of the Spirit a means of blessing to someone else. Ah, you know, what a life you would live tonight if that were to be the case. You who may be here tonight as a means, as an instrument of leading other people astray, what a change in your life if you could now be the means of leading people to the Lord. You may be the ringleader, my friend, amongst people a life of sin. Under the blessing of the Spirit of God, you could be a ringleader in the realm of grace. You know, there was once a family of ten boys and girls. In that family, one little girl was converted all alone, exposed to all the ridicule and the difficulties that at home would suggest to you. The only one of fourteen who loved the Lord. And yet, before she left this world, she saw her father and mother and all her brothers and sisters coming to Christ. And it all began with her. Never doubt, as someone put it, that conversion leads to conversion and that few if any go to heaven alone you know I love that quote never doubt that conversion leads to conversion and that few if any go to heaven alone it would surprise you Hearing the testimony of people at a church session seeking admittance to the Lord's admission to the Lord's table, it will surprise you to hear the means that God has employed in the lives of many of them. Not necessarily ministers, but fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, and friends. You know, and with this I leave it. There was a man once who was known as the Apostle of the North of England. His name was Grimshaw of Haworth. When he died, he left one son graceless and godless behind him. Afterwards, that son was converted, never having forgotten his father's advice and his example. And his son's last words in the world were these, What will my old father say when he sees me 
in heaven. The Bible exhorts you once more in your need, in your emptiness, in your sinfulness tonight. Once more presents to you, comes to you with this invitation. May I suggest to you that it should, I see you tonight as a person going for the last time to the door and to that letterbox in your door. There's an envelope and you open it. It's an invitation to you. And here's the gospel with its invitation once more. If any man thirst, is that you? I know it is. May God grant that you may know it too. If any man thirst, let him come unto me, says Jesus, and drink. And if you come, just consider the blessing he's going to give you together with many others. And to him that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He will give you the Holy Spirit to communicate to you the blessings of salvation the glory of his grace and of his passion and he will abide with you forever as he said himself and under that gracious ministry who knows what blessing you may be yourself to all who come in contact with you yet again will you come let us pray oh may the Lord bless our hearts and may thou by thy power apply thy truth to our hearts. We pray, O Lord, that thou dost do what we cannot do ourselves. Give us grace to come, and grace to receive, and grace to believe. Part us with thy blessing, we pray thee, and continue with us for Jesus' sake. Amen.